I'm Murphy, John Murphy. And I'm Humes, Christian Humes. And you're listening to Watch World. World. Yes, I'm... Uh, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for joining in and listening. Uh, we are continuing our journey. We have a new mission in the world of James Bond. Uh, we just... The last one you listened to was Live and Let Die, where James Bond went into the realm of early 70s exploitation movies and... This week we are going to space with Moonraker, yep. Christian. What did you think? I um I really want them to remake this in the same way that Casino Royale was remade. This is the next Bond movie I want. Is this? <laughs> I I actually think it's very prescient for today. Uh, sort of basically Bond v space Nazis is ultimately uh what's happening here. I feel like. With America in the way that it is right now, with the uh, upcoming Trump Space Force, <laughs> with uh, you know the rise of white supremacy. You think Trump once again. watched this movie and this is inspired Space Force. It's he probably possible. thinks that there's a battle happening up in the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, um, th- or he just still remembers Reagan talking about Star Wars. Yeah, th- this movie is bonkers. Like I think this is the, probably the craziest movie in the Bond series. Just from the the standpoint of it is so ambitious, a lot happens. There's a lot of really cool like miniatures and set pieces in this movie. And then at the same time, it is so lazy and like slapped together at points. You're just like, and it's very clear when you watch a movie like Casino Royale or some of that Martin Campbell directs versus what Guy Hamilton directs, which is just like, eh, fuck it. Like, like this movie's just like the most extremes of ambitious set pieces and set design, and like, and all right, cut, we got it. <laughs> it's also a movie that feels like the story's not even really about Bond; it's about Jaws. Oh my God, yes! <laughs> like, Jaws is the true hero of the thing yes. in the end. Like, James couldn't have stopped everything from going down had he not changed Jaws's mind. Like, Jaws became woke and saved the day. Yeah, only because he figured it wasn't even really because of James Bond. It was because he himself figured out that Hugo Drax was right. Like, not, his utopia was not for him. <laughs> Correct. Which I mean, come on, look at him. Of course, it's not. <laughs> no, nah, I think Richard Keel's a good-looking man. For he's a hideous monster. <laughs> this was like James Bond and Frankenstein go to space. Yeah, which is really interesting because the the I read the book. This one's a really good book, actually. Um. And it's one where Bond, it all takes place in England. It never leaves England, um, which is actually kind of interesting to think about how many places this movie goes and <laughs> versus. Wait, they never go to space? Nope. What? Nope. Oh, I did not know that. See, I'm, I am listening to the book. I have not finished it yet. Though. Oh, shit. Um, I don't want to break it and, for you. <laughs> no, I mean, it's fine. Like, I know what happens in this movie, but... um. It, like I'm, I'm gonna listen through it. Like I don't care. James Bond is going to save the day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I really like the way that the book opens up with another card game. It seems like that is a very common trope with these books, these stories. Is that you know Bond is asked to come to this thing or do this thing or check this guy out who might be stealing or you know like cheating. Yeah. And it ends up then kind of his ego gets the best of him and he gets kind of then roped up into this, you know, whole thing. And it, it ends up, uh, 
he figures out what the real plan is and it becomes this like ultimately i have to shoot my way out of the situation <laughs> but you're right it all it almost always starts with like a weird card game or some sort of a club that he's asked to come to yeah ian fleming loves card games oh yeah he definitely he loves gambling love loves smoking and love hates and women hates women <laughs> hates women um yeah, so this one in the movie, it's about a, a space shuttle that gets stolen. Um, yeah, Hugo Drax is this Elon Musk type character in the movie. Yeah, you know, he's very he has a Southern California uh, production facility um, where it was like I was like, where is this facility at? It's like they kind of fly out to I don't know like Inland Empire area. <laughs> I don't know where it was. Um, and Hugo Drax in this is so ridiculous in the sense that, like, he's so opulently wealthy and he, like, bought and shipped a, like, entire, like, French mansion out to Southern California. <laughs> when obviously they clearly just shot it in France. <laughs> yeah, it's always weird to me whenever they wind up in America. Yeah. This one and the next one we're going to watch, which is Dimes Are Forever, also is in America. That one's in Vegas. Yeah, and... it's, it's weird how intertwined they are. Yeah, it's weird to think that Bond, you think because Bond is so international. So when he comes to like yeah. your backyard, you're like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's like, don't we have the CIA? We do, and that's Felix. But Felix is somehow that's absent true. in this one. Ugh, that's a shame. I mean, you, well, but, but Felix gets replaced with the, uh, the wonderful Holly Goodhead. <laughs> oh, my God. God, the most ridiculous Bond name I think I've heard so far. It is so lazy, too. It's insane. And it's like someone made it with a James Bond, like, girl generator. Yeah, it's just, it's not even, like, because uh, this trend started with Goldfinger and Pussy Galore was the, I think, that changed. And then so now they're all like, oh, every girl needs to have some sort of sex pun connotation yeah, to it because in the first one it's just vesper vesper lind and even the one in this book is actually a really good name gala brand oh what is it gala brand oh okay. you know it's like that's actually kind of a cool sexy british name um and it's it's the same character it's like she's a spy that's secretly you know infiltrated and working at drax's facility and and i think lois childs who plays holly goodhead <laughs> i think I find she's very attractive, and I think she is a good actress. But in this movie, they give her nothing to do. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I can sum up her performance in this movie as, James, are you okay? Oh, my God. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> it's like, that's all she does. Yeah, I think um, she was way worse than Vesper was by, like, I mean, the second the second one didn't like the second one doesn't have like a great Bond girl because it's solitaire is is just sort of she right the problem with her is she's young and that's also the problem with their relationship. <laughs> it's weird. He goes so he makes like a classic sort of espionage. The first one's like an espionage movie. Yeah, and the second one is supernatural. Yes, and then the third one is science fiction. Yes. So it's kind of cool. What's kind of cool? This is okay. Well, mostly it's the seventies, and like they just didn't know what. It was all like reactionary to things. So like, Bond is iconic for the sixties, and so all the movies with Sean Connery work really well because it is the defining tone of the of the decade. And then when the seventies come along, 
and Bond is suddenly at a place in the world. And so he's constantly reacting to the trends that are happening. So mm. that's why in Live Let Die, yeah, but- it's one way. The next movie is like a kung fu movie. This one's a space movie. It's sort of like yeah. it's reactionary to what's happening. And it, you know. It's so crazy. Um, I really like the way in the book, which they didn't succeed in doing in the movie, in the book they made Hugo Drax seem like this, like, you know, you mentioned Elon Musk is a good way to describe him, but the the way that they talked about how everyone in, like, the country loved him. Yeah. Like, they made him sound like this larger-than-life, like, beloved person. In the movie, it's not really like that at all. No, it's, they, they, it's weird because it's, like, Hugo Drax in the movie is just this all-powerful, like, industrialist being. He's like Kingpin. But he's, like, not sociable. He's so dry. And just, like, yes, he would be, like, if he was a modern-day... There's nothing charming about him. He would have a terrible Twitter game nowadays, like, if he was, you know, (laughs) around today. But yeah, well, no, he'd probably just pay Edgelords to do it. Yeah, and he—it's like they don't really. And again, it's like goes back to the idea of like how kind of lazy this movie is, where it's like Drax is just kind of—he's just powerful. They don't really explain why or how did he get this powerful, um, you know, and all and like all those things. It's just he just is. He started Facebook. Yeah, or he he did something. But you're right. In the book, it's much better in that he's this sort of national hero because he, he was a war veteran he got wounded and that's part of his lie because he's secret well and there's this like yeah there's this weird mystery about yes him. have you gotten to the part where they reveal the mystery no uh, not yet. do you want me to spoil it for you yeah I don't okay care. well it, for it. he is secretly a nazi that um ah that i knew it he and that's why he has all those germans working for him at the facility um but he's part he of a drax in the movie he looks a little hitlery uh it looks like he looks like peter dinklage in the movie and the <laughs> that's fair um but no he's like a he's like a command like a kind of basically a spy commando and he gets uh as part of an operation he got wounded like when the bomb went off that he was supposed to detonate he got mistaken for a british officer and then he decided to go along with that as his way out and then he used that to craft his new identity so um and Different, obviously, the biggest different from the book, the movie is that in the movie, Hugo Drax is creating is, created a space station to house all the most beautiful models in in the in the world, and he's going to restart humanity by basically poisoning the entire world and then restart kickstarting humanity again. Whereas in the in the uh, book, he's just developing a a missile that at first you believe it's a missile defense system. Uh, against right. the shield, but uh, what they're doing is they're going to sneak an actual Russian warhead to that missile, and it's going to hit London, and they're going to blow up London. Hell yeah! So that's the London has fallen. Yeah, basically. So it's a, it's a much smaller, but I think more realistic uh, <laughs> plan. Yeah, it it is. Uh, there's no lasers. Correct. <laughs> no space lasers. But see, that would make a good movie. But I do want a new Moonraker. Can we? Uh, um. I, I want to talk about Jaws. Let's let's speed up to get to Jaws. Okay. Uh, wait, first, before we get to Jaws, uh, talk about Q, because it's actually the first movie that Q pops up in. Oh, yes, you're right. Okay, and that sequence was pretty cool. <laughs> All of Q's sequences in this movie are crazy. <laughs> um, I think Desmond Llewellyn is so funny as Q, because he's, he's just like so stiffy and British. 
and he hates Bond. He's just like, oh, 007, why don't you just, <laughs> uh, you know, shove it. Um, and, but most of it, most of Roger Moore's movie opened this way where it's like he gets called into M's office. Usually the defense prime minister is there with Q and, you know, they give him the rundown what's going on and Q gives him a, a, a gadget, which in this case is a rich, uh, a wrist, uh, dart, <laughs> which like the logic of it makes no sense. It's like, like web shooters. He's got like web shooters on. Yeah. But he's like, all right, you have eight darts of each one of armor piercing and one of poison. But you don't know which one is in the thing. So he miraculously has the armor one when he's trapped in the, the, the you know, Goliath, whatever, the, the tourney thing. Right. And he's able to stop that. And then later at the end, he, he has a poison one in it because he right. just does. Because <laughs> he needs that. Yeah, man. it's like, it's like, <laughs> lucky. It's the MacGuffin. Um, but Q's great, I think, just as this sort of character that supplies Bond with gadgets I mean, here's the thing, though. James Bond is so attuned to gadgets, and it's shown later because he's able to just figure out Goodhead's gadgets. Yes. Yeah, what do you, yeah, he's just, oh, look at this, this purse Like, radio. this guy who, like, breaks everything is just like, oh, I know what this is. Look at this, oh, standard CIA, I bet. He, oh, yeah, Bond, like, he's so clumsy in this movie too like when he decides to go he's checking out the the laboratory where they're building the the like the gas thing he just leaves the chemical sitting on that thing so that those guys will knock it over and die (laughs) you're just like he he murders people viciously in this movie well he has a license to kill john yeah but not to choke by sarin gas basically (laughs) it's like he still has to follow the geneva convention yeah Uh, okay so jaws um jaws was introduced in the previous movie that was made before this the spy who loved me um as a henchman and so that's why he kind of just kind of appears in book order in this one Uh, all right here's what i i want i know they're out there somewhere someone who's making james bond is listening to this right now what I want is them, next James Bond reboot, start with Casino Royale again, go through the books in order. Yeah? I, just because I also want to see them do Live and Let Die. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, I think if they did these three movies as a trilogy, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, there's three books later that are kind of like a trilogy um, that yeah. would make more sense as a trilogy, but they kind of fucked it up in the book, in the movie order. Um, but we'll get into that later. Um, so okay, so Jaws. He was introduced in the last movie, yes, but not the last book. No, so but Jaws is not a character from the the books. He's just completely fictionalized for the movies. See, this is where Ian Fleming messed up because Jaws is iconic thanks to Goldeneye on the N sixty four. Yes, he is iconic. He is not like necessarily original though because there have been several versions of this kind of character which is like the big strong henchman um and it started with red grant in from russia with love which is kind of like this sort of big german guy um well yeah he's it's like a trope for james bond is there's like a character henchman yes but he is so iconic jaws is just a cool one yeah because he has the teeth and he's massive and he's like frankenstein yes yeah um and this movie he's He's made. He's so goofy in this movie, though. He's put it through some of the most ridiculous things, um, like falling into a circus, 
going over a waterfall. Yeah, so the plane, the plane scene is one of my favorite scenes, and uh, the whole opening, the skydiving, is, is actually is so like a microcosm of the movie itself because the the actual skydiving stuff is actually really really cool and visually just interesting. And was that real skydiving? Yeah, they would. That was real skydiving. Yeah, because it seemed like it had to be. No, it was it was really cool, like visually. Minus the fact that like it's clearly not Richard Keel and Roger Moore, it's like they're stunt yeah. doubles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's fine. But then it's like it opens like before the skydiving. You have this part where Bond is on the plane making out with the flight attendant, and then he's like uh-huh. betrayed, and he's about to get. Sh- and they like there's only one parachute left, and somehow then Jaws is also on the plane. How did like uh-huh. how did Bond not even realize that Jaws was like hiding in the lavatory? <laughs> um. And then and then and then the whole skydiving thing happens is really cool and then it and then it ends with like uh Jaws like not having a parachute and having to flap his arms like wings and playing ridiculous circus music and he falls into a circus to then goes into this slow disco moonraker song. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. Crazy. Especially when they reprise it in the credits at the end it's like even more disco-y. Moonraker. Um, I want to br- talk about what did you think? Some consider this the worst moment in Bond, which is the in Venice when Bond's uh, gondola or gondolin whatever turns into a car, and he starts driving it through the square, and you have the infamous pigeon double take, where there's a pigeon that looks, and they reverse the footage like a weird pet food commercial. Honestly, the whole thing with the gondola was already so crazy that I didn't even realize that that happened. <laughs> and now I'm picturing it, and that's absurd. It, and, but, the, but the most absurd thing about it is the fact that it's not that interesting. It's just a, it's a, a boat with wheels. Like, why yeah. is that so? Why is everyone just so like, oh, my God. Like, the waiter's pouring wine on the guy. Like, the dog is looking. Everyone's just, like, stunned. <laughs> And by this time, they had already done yeah. a movie where James Bond drove a car into the water. Yeah. It was a movie before so, this. So, like, <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah, but even in that world, that's just not that, like, how would that be shocking? <laughs> I mean, it would be surprising. I, I just <laughs> If I saw someone on a boat and the boat just started driving, I'd be like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, it, it's just, it, I bet they thought that this was such a hilarious joke and... It just doesn't. Work. Oh yeah, it's not funny. Um, it's definitely dumb. But that's why like, this movie's full of just like weird moments like that because that's like a super comedic beat. And then before you had the moment where um, the the one like kind of assistant to Drax betrays him, I guess, by let's bond the thing, and then he like murders her with dogs at a Game of Thrones. Basically, Game of Thrones stole this scene. Um, yeah. And but that whole it's like a horror movie where she's running through the woods and the dogs are chasing her. It's like a whole nother movie. Yeah. I mean, so when you mentioned the gondola, I also, the cable car scene oh, yeah. with Jaws was, it's like, this man knows how to travel. He's on the plane. He's in the cable car. He's got the gondola. He goes in a space shuttle. Relentless. He's he's on a horseback when they take the music rights to the Magnificent Seven. <laughs> um, yeah. I think... Just some weird stuff like that, but uh, and then also like Hugo Drax's like uh, kung fu assistant Chang, that whole thing like 
And I guess he has an assistant that's that. <laughs> well, and then I think Jaws's whole like mini love story. Oh, uh, yes. How disappointed <laughs> were you when she did not have braces? Oh, yeah, that would have been fucking Because great. it's playing the iconic like love moment and she yeah. does, she doesn't show her teeth yet and then she smiles and it's not there's no braces and you're like that makes the most sense. I mean, it doesn't. It would be not like I guess regular braces, sure. Yeah, you know, like any braces, any type of like metal in her mouth to yeah. match but him. not like Jaws equivalent. No, no, that would make no sense. But <laughs> yeah, that would be the thing that would be too far for Moonraker. For too, too far for this movie. Um, yeah, no, that was I was crazy. Um, I'm trying to think. Just uh, this this movie actually also sets the trope that you know is made fun of later in Austin Powers and plenty of other things where like Hugo Drax has so many opportunities to kill James Bond in this movie. And doesn't because every time he's foiled from like an elaborate plan of killing him, he just kind of walks away from it. <laughs> so when he has him as a state, he tries to kill him in the in the rotating thing. Doesn't work. Okay. Didn't kill him. Then he tries to kill him at like the, the shooting hunt thing with the guy in the tree. Bond shoots that guy. Hugo just walks away. <laughs> And then, like, he continuously tries to kill him with the snake in the pit, doesn't do it, you know, like, all the way up until the very end, just every opportunity to kill Why Bond. is it so hard to kill one man? I, I, it's it's funny. It's just... Why can't he just shoot him? <laughs> Even when he sends the knife guy in the coffin after him in Venice, Bond defeats the knife guy really easily. And then they send the guy with the machine gun on the boat next. As if, let's do the machine gun first, then the <laughs> knife guy. Why do we got to do the knife guy first? <laughs> I guess he couldn't get in close enough, so then we sent the machines. <laughs> send the bullets. No, it's like he really wants Bond to die a very elaborate way. And when it doesn't work, he doesn't just do the practical method. He just keeps trying to figure out the most elaborate way to kill Bond. What's really crazy to me is how they were able to build this space station and no one, uh, no one, no one's anywhere. They had the radar jamming thing, the, the sparkly yeah. thing in the middle of that room. I really liked actually the, the construct of the, uh, the station and how it was based on practical gravity. Like it's like, oh, it needs to rotate yep. and that's yep. how it works. And that, I thought all that, the ending was actually really cool. Yeah, I think so too. Although when you there's like the part where they're like, "Oh, the U.S. is coming in. We're sending our troops," and like you just see like a space shuttle like take off. Like, wait, the U.S. has this capability? Like, we're just flying. That's what space Trump is talking right about, man. He wants to go back to a time when we actually had space ready troops with lasers. Like to to the point where he was like, "All right, we'll be there in thirty minutes." Like what? Yeah, it's. It's very like it takes longer than that to fuel up. Yeah, no, they would have to take days to plan. To yeah, <laughs> it's like sorry, we don't have any rockets. <laughs> um, but I like, I, but again, I love the set design. And I also like the set design of Drax's like Amazon layer. Um, very iconic yeah. from the video game. If you remember those bonus layers, uh, uh, levels. The Aztec, yeah, the Aztec level. That's where it's from. Heck yeah. 
great, even though technically Aztec would be in Mexico, not in South America. <laughs> I mean, whatever, man. Yeah, whatever, man. Um, this guy's he's from another country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, this, despite Drax being super dry and kind of not much to him, he has some, of the, has some great lines in this movie. Heck yeah. He's got the, and now, Bond, I'm going to put you out of my misery. <laughs> Just some great, great stuff. He seems like one of those guys who shouldn't really ever talk. No, he's a very good, like, quiet stare kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, like, he should just be a silent villain. Like, the fact that he spoke was actually surprising to me. Because also he spoke with such disinterest that I felt yeah. like he was just bored of this existence. <laughs> if that guy were alive today, he would be playing basketball. He wouldn't be acting. You mean Michael Lonsdale? He's still alive. I don't believe it, John. I think he is. I mean... Because he was in most uh, most recently, I can remember him in is uh, he was in um, uh, what was the? How tall is he? He is not that tall. I don't know exactly what. The... Why did they make him seem like he's seven feet tall? Because uh, he needed to to match Bond <laughs> in some way. Um, oh, he was in Munich. Remember, do you ever see Munich? Yeah, in like two thousand five three yeah he he played the like old guy that was like the bond maker then so anyways it's in a bunch of stuff but he's more there's a lot of uh he's still kicking still kicking still kicking bond out of planes he's getting up there he's almost 90 anyways um yeah i, I uh so space battle is all fun it's just cool st- seeing uh them trying to do the gravity it's just people just going like yeah. whoa with their arms there was a little to be desired with the sound effects. Yeah, the laser yeah. thing. Yeah, the laser guns were cool, but not as cool as I had hoped. No. Um, I liked uh, everyone was in those like sweet yellow jumpers. The uh, like the jumpers were cool, but the helmets made no sense. They were like these kind of like temple no. protectors. They yeah. didn't really have a back to them, <laughs> just the sides of the head. Um, you know, it, it's, there was a part there at the end where he gets caught by Jaws before Jaws finally turns to a good guy where Bond knees him in the balls and it makes a metal sound as if his like entire body is made of metal, <laughs> not just his teeth. Oh, I thought he just had another bear trap down there. <laughs> There's just like one more. Yeah. He has two. <laughs> he has a second set of teeth. Yeah. Just to protect his... It's a chastity belt. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he's hoping to take his, it off. His new... The woman he met. <laughs> it's funny that they didn't give her any lines. She like she has one almost line at the end, but it's just to whisper to Richard Keel, to Chaz, and then he says it. <laughs> um, The... I thought Goodhead, as ridiculous as a name as she was... Uh, this is the second time now we had like a CIA operative come, right? Yeah, because you had Rosie in Live and Let Die. Yeah, because Rosie was one as well. Yeah. So I guess early in these Bond movies, and I mean, and obviously Felix. So like CIA has always been like I guess pretty tied to the James Bond series at least from the start. Uh, well, I, I think because of Felix, I think he's been there since book one. 
yeah. since the beginning. And so I think there's always been a presence in the world of spies, obviously in a Cold War realm. Like the CIA yeah, yeah. is going to be going to be there. Uh, and MI6 is kind of their, you know, it is CIA for the British. I would say that I felt Rosie was a terrible CIA agent because not only had she been turned, but also like she was deathly afraid of stupid supernatural things. Yeah. Uh, Goodhead was all right. She was a good companion. But uh, the fact that James Bond was able to look at her and be like, oh, you're a spy. Here's all your spy stuff. Look at this one. Look at what this one does. It's like, here's this necklace. It's not really a necklace. Yeah. Uh, when when he first meets her at, in, at the the Drax Laboratories, and he's like, I'm here to see Dr. Goodhead. He's like, he's like yeah. you found her. It's like, oh, a woman. <laughs> it's like, Bond, come on. Are you a, are you a lady, doctor? <laughs> yeah. You know, he's just got to be a dick about it. Yeah. You know. Um, he doesn't know any other way, John. I know. This is why they have to like bring it up that he's a misogynist dinosaur later because yeah. of moments like this. <laughs> yep. Um, and Holly does get to, I guess, pilot the shuttle at the end and helps. Bo- oh, that's true. Helps Bond because she's a trained NASA pilot too. Yeah, that's really fortunate. Yeah, that she that she <laughs> that she knows how to fly a space I feel like shuttle. Bond would be able to figure it out on the fly, though. <laughs> yeah, sure, of course. She was pressed to do it. Yeah, definitely. He could definitely fly a space shuttle. <laughs> if needed. Because they have to destroy those um, little canisters that are going to fall back to Earth. So, um, this movie ends with one of the greatest sexual entendres, or, you know, sexual puns ever. Because they're all, like, everyone at the headquarters is excited to get the, the feedback and get the, you know, get to talk to Bond. And they even, they, they even uh, piped in the Queen she's watching and they cut to bond getting it on with holly goodhead up in the shuttle <laughs> and the defense prime minister is like dear god bond what is he doing and then q is like i think he's attempting re-entry sir <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie's so stupid <laughs> it's really bad it's very 70s yeah it's 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 just a. It, I kind of like it though Again, it's like it's got a lot of good ideas. Where that if they did a, a remake, where Bond go like a new Bond, not Craig, goes up against an Elon Musk type, you know, Hugo Drax. I want laser weapons though. But well, yeah, but again, it's like it, there's a space element to it. There's laser weapons. Yes, um, yes, yes. You could do like a really cool, almost like gravity type of sequencing yep. at the end i would be totally in for this like it would be a really cool movie i think it would absolutely be and really would cool be movie. very also uh it would be really relevant to modern day with, with a lot that's it, going on <laughs> but yes it would both with if they went this route of the same motivation for drax which is that like like you said a sort of hitler kind of um where i'm going to recreate the world and the image that i believe you know yeah. Also, shout out to all the beautiful women and men in this movie. <laughs> There's like so many. Just yeah, Jaws. Oh my god. Not only Jaws and Holly, and <laughs> and Jaws's lady, but like and Q. But just like the the random like two women that are like in scenes sometimes. Remember, like throughout the beginning and the middle of the movie, they're just like Hugo Drax is like, and here are these two ladies, and they're just like yeah. hi. <laughs> These are my bitches. Yeah, and they, and they don't He's even like say anything, and then they walk away. And it's just like, and then, like, 
the woman that flies a helicopter and then there's just there's just so many beautiful people in this movie <laughs> that's true it was like the producers were just going hog wild with the the catalog of how many they were like, models can we get we want this to be hard with action, and we want our audience to be hard with erections. Yes, or if it's Bond, you can the other way, too. Yeah. <laughs> the space shuttle's not the only thing getting a splash landing later. Correct. Except those, those uh, space shuttles, they land on uh, runways. Not, they don't splash. But Not if you're a first-timer. But your, your point of women getting wet is, is the point stands. <laughs> I don't know if this part's staying in. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. Uh, so what happens to that space station? Does it just fall to Earth? It breaks up in the atmosphere, probably. Yeah, it's not just gonna break up in the atmosphere. It's definitely gonna hit some shit. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It's probably big enough that it it would. I think it would. I don't think it's because it's not built in a way where I think it could re-enter properly. I think it would all burn up. No, it's too big. It's not dense. That's it's the not whole dense thing with though. The- no, but that's the whole thing with like the current ISS is like when they finally decide that it's being retired, they have to like maneuver it so it'll land in the Pacific. And the current one can't be as big as that thing is because that thing had like current one can support like five people. That thing had like a hundred people on it, like six space shuttles hooked up to it, like fifty rockets. Yeah, do you think all those extra like dead bodies on it are gonna like help heat it up even more? Well, I guess the the Americans went up there, so I guess we have it now. Like we've we claimed, claimed it. <laughs> it's ours now. But then they left it, so technically it was Jaws. Jaws was the last person on it yeah. that was alive. He's still. Some say he's still up there today. I think he. I think he's like Wolverine. I think he has like a full metal like exoskeleton, like underneath <laughs> his skin that keeps him alive. So when he like crash lands. He's going to just be this sort of metallic being. Jaws isn't even human. He's like Krang from basically <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, I mean, it sucks. We never get. Oh, well, we'll see him again when we do the Spy Who Loved Me, but he doesn't show up after this. We really see him again. Oh, okay. because we get to see oh, the movie right. before this. Right. So. Right. Got it. Okay. I was gonna say, like, it'd be weird for him to turn back to evil. <laughs> well, because when he fell to Earth, his mind got reset. Uh, CTE. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. Um, anything else from this uh, wonderful, wonderful dog shit pile of movie? <laughs> I think people should watch it. I like so. I would say if someone said what movie should I watch, Live and Let Die or Moonraker, I'd tell people to watch Moonraker. I would agree in a lot of ways, just because I think the highs of this movie are way higher in terms of like there's a lot more we- like kind of fun grand stuff in this than a live and let die or some other movies from this era. Um, but it is also a lot of bad stuff too. So you just, well also this one's like eugenics level of racism where they want to perform mass genocide to everyone. Whereas like live and let die is just basically racist to black people. <laughs> so it's like, let's all feel <laughs> like there's a, let's, let's have a common enemy. Yeah. Yeah, and Hugo Drax, in his defense, he just wants beautiful people of all races. I get it, man. Yeah, he he just he doesn't like ugly people. Yeah, get rid of the uggos is what Hugo Drax said, and that's a good quote to end on. Yeah, it is. Which it's weird because Hugo Drax is ugly. Yeah, it's like he's more about I'm gonna help shepherd this new era of beauty. I I'm yeah. not gonna be a part of it, but and then they will thank me. <laughs> yes, he'll be a god to them. 
yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. So that's Moonraker. Uh, hope you enjoy finishing the rest of the audiobook. Uh, I will. will. Uh, up next is Diamonds Are Forever. And who is this? Oh. Who's the Who's the Bond? Um, it is. It's it's the mafia. No, who's the Bond? Oh, it's still uh, it's it, oh no, it's Sean Connery. Yes. So all right, but this will be my first Sean Connery Bond. But it's like later Sean Connery, Bond. James Bond. So it's like it's it's his last movie that he was in. Okay. So he's a little bit like I don't give a fuck. He sh- no, he should be at the top of his game. I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I haven't seen these, or if I did see them when I was younger. I only remember like fleeting memories, so I'm very excited for Sean Connery. The, like the one we will do after Diamonds Are Forever for Measure Love is like prime Sean Connery. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to okay. see kind of you'll get a back to back. Okay, all so. right. That's exciting. But it's Bond goes to Vegas. <laughs> I'm in. You know, have you ever been to Circus Circus? No. Uh, I haven't either. But in this movie we go to we go to Circus <laughs> Circus. When it was first opened. Yeah, something tells me it's uh, quite a bit different than these days. Oh, yeah. It's going to be crazy. Uh, anyways, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Christian, if people want to continue listening to your sweet, dulcet tones, where can they hear you? I am at Christian underscore Humes. That is all across the internet. Yeah, and you can uh, listen to me or uh, follow me online at the John Murphy on Twitter or John Paul Murphy at Instagram. And listen to Christian on uh, on Ranked. So. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. 